Northern Exposure, the podcast that we hope will help Canadian medical students explore their potential future careers as Canadian physicians. Our guest today is Dr. Jennifer Rycroft. Dr. Rycroft is a family physician practicing in Beamsville, Ontario. Her practice includes low-risk obstetrics, palliative care, care of inpatients, women's health, and breastfeeding support. She's the regional education lead for the Niagara Regional Campus of McMaster University and enjoys teaching all levels of medical learners. She graduated from McMaster's Niagara Regional Campus and stayed in the area to complete a rural residency program. In her spare time, she loves to spend time with her kids and enjoys cycling, hiking, baking, and painting. We have divided our interview into three sections. The first is about you and your specialty. We'll then move on to a few questions about your journey and how you decided your specialty was right for you. We'll then finish with the nitty gritty details of what the day-to-day looks like in your job. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to start the podcast is because we, we want to get a feel for what specialties are, are really like, you know, beyond the, the CARMS description and the, the kind of, I guess, not robotic answers of what can be done, but really a, a personal touch of what it's like to be a physician in different specialties, and also the opportunities that lie within a given specialty. So kind of to that end, uh, we were hoping you could give us kind of an elevator style pitch um, that describes what you do, or in other words, a short sales pitch of, of your specialty or your job, really. Well, I guess the like the briefest pitch is I get to do absolutely everything. So if you can't decide what in medicine you like, family medicine is perfect for you. Um, so that is kind of the briefest elevator pitch and then kind of digging down into that a little bit more, like depending on your community and your interests, like family medicine can be, it can be a hundred percent clinic. It could be 0% clinic. It can be all hospital work. It can be zero hospital work, um, like really, and it can be birth to death for patient care, which is, you know, for me, the best thing ever about family medicine. Thanks so much. So bearing in mind that pitch and how you feel about your specialty, how do you feel your personality complements your specialty? I have always been more of a listener and a collaborator, which, you know, I find helps out quite a bit. Like I am very comfortable with silence. And I find, you know, if you allow that comfortable silence, your patients will fill it. And, you know, I, I find that, you know, always wanting to work as a team with my patients, they feel that too. And it, I, I think generally, those aspects of my personality really allow patients to be comfortable and patients to trust me with things that, you know, maybe they wouldn't otherwise talk about. So we can go beyond the sore knee that's brought them in and, you know, have these long discussions. And, you know, sometimes that sore knee appointment turns out to be something much bigger than that. And I think the other part of that is I'm good at apologizing when uh, when that sore knee appointment turns into a 45 minute bury your heart out and start some counseling session. Um, I'm pretty good at, you know, my other patients are pretty forgiving of me because I think I do a good job saying, thank you so much for your patience. I'm with you and you have my whole attention now. I'm sure that they appreciate that they know that you would give the same amount of time to them if they needed it in that context. Yeah. And 
And that's become part of kind of my elevator pitch for myself. Whenever people are meeting me for the first time, I say, you know, I do my very best to run on time. And sometimes I run late because sometimes things come up. And if something ever comes up for you, I am there for you. You're selling me on family medicine very well. Um, but we did want to keep in mind some of the kind of negatives that people sometimes associate with specialties, rightly or wrongly. Um, so I'm excited to hear your answer to the, our next question, which is, you know, some medical students' perception of family medicine is that it can be kind of mundane or, or repetitive or perhaps less intellectually challenging or stimulating than other specialties. So curious to hear your thoughts on that kind of a statement. Yeah. I mean, of course, I've heard that before. Um, but for me, I really feel like family medicine is the opposite of that. Like, to me, it's amazing what can be done in family medicine. And, you know, other specialties that had, you know, fleeting interest in my mind, it'd be like, but I would be seeing the same things all the time. Whereas in family medicine, I never know what my day is going to be. My day can look like one thing and turn out to be something completely different. Or even if my day looks like one thing and stays like one thing, that one thing contains so many different presentations and so many different opportunities for me to challenge myself intellectually to, you know, recall like, oh man, I haven't seen that presentation in a long, long time. Or maybe it's something I've never seen before, but I've been exposed to it before. I've had the learning. I have to, you know, go right back into my med school time and think, all right, where can I go from here? What is going on and how can I diagnose this? And, you know, you come in with a completely undifferentiated case that's often presenting at a very, you know, or can be presenting at a very early stage where things are, you know, pretty subtle. They're not like any slam dunk diagnoses. So it's very intellectually challenging. And also it's, you know, it's focusing on the whole patient and not just one one thing. So it's it's not main mundane, it's not repetitive. Okay, maybe during cold and flu season, it gets a bit repetitive. <laughs> like, yes, I really do want you to use a neti pot. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, it's quite varied and, you know, this can also depend on your, your practice makeup. Um, I've got a pretty diverse practice. Like I've got people at all extremes of age. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's quite varied. It's not repetitive. And that's just the office side of things. Like this is not even talking about, you know, the house calls and the labor and delivery and the hospital work. Like it's a lot. So moving into our sort of how you decided it was right for you. Um, we really want to hear the story of how you got to this point in your career, um, you know, and what your education looked like, how you made decisions between different paths you were considering, um, and really how you picked um, how you ended up where you are. So medicine was something that probably right from when I was fairly young was always in the back of my mind. Um, it wasn't really in the forefront of my mind until quite a bit later. Uh, my mom was, or yeah, my mom was a nurse and, um, you know, I remember going in with her, she worked in radiology and kind of seeing all the cool stuff that was going on and talking to her colleagues. I always thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
she was nursing so through some fairly challenging political times. So we heard a lot of discussion about, oh, you should never go into healthcare, the sort of thing going on. But um, she definitely had a really rewarding career. And I was definitely exposed to the lifestyle a little bit, her getting called in at all hours of the night and the weekend. And um, yeah, so it was always kind of sitting there in the back of my mind. Um, I always had an interest in science as well, amongst other things. So uh, when I went off to undergrad, um, I, I didn't, I purposefully didn't choose a pre-med program. Um, I actually went into, um, I went into a general science program and kind of narrowed it down to the behavioral sciences. I really, really loved psychology and, um, you know, looking into how the brain works and, you know, memory research and visual, visual perception research and kind of pursued that through my undergrad and ended up doing a master's degree um, in behavioral neuroscience and um, visual perception. Uh, through that, I was working with an awesome um, an awesome researcher, uh, but I decided research wasn't for me. Um, the grant cycle was incredibly stressful and I was pretty miserable dealing with that aspect of it. Uh, but my research involved um, working with people who had migraine headaches and I loved that talking to patients and talking about the clinical aspects of that and learning about the pathophysiology. And that became kind of the favorite part of that research experience. So that's when I said, okay, well, maybe I will pursue medicine because I really don't see this turning into a PhD. And, you know, I think I need to do something else here. So uh, it took me a few years of applications before I was admitted. Uh, and during that time, I kind of, I finished my master's and I worked around a little bit and traveled around a little bit, which um, was great. I have no regrets about being kind of a, a little bit of a mature student entering into med school at 27. Um, yeah, and then right from, you know, right from the start, so I was uh, admitted to McMaster and I was placed in the Niagara campus. It wasn't initially my first choice, but it turned out to be the best thing ever. Uh, I was part of the first class to go through um, Mac Niagara campus and there were 15 of us. We all got very, very close. Um, it was just, you know, from start to finish an almost universally amazing experience. Um, through that, I, um, I did a few placements at West Lincoln Hospital in Grimsby. Um, I really, really loved the hospital community there. Um, so for those people who don't know what West Lincoln Hospital is, um, it is a community hospital. It's kind of smack dab uh, in the middle between Hamilton and St. Catharines, um, a little under a half an hour to each of those places. So we're close to the big tertiary centers, but um, we are our own unique hospital model and model of care. And in my opinion, it is a fantastic model of care. So the hospital is mainly run by family physicians. Um, so the vast majority of physicians that work in the hospital are family physicians. Uh, we have a fully functioning 24 seven eMERGE department that uh, is mainly staffed by family physicians. Uh, we have consultant specialists um, who help us 
out and who will, you know, help manage the more acute and ICU patients. So we've got a great group of internal medicine specialists and we have a fantastic group of um, obstetricians and gynecologists to, that helps our family medicine obstetrics program thrive. Um, West Lincoln of, you know, probably the handful of hospitals that I've had the opportunity to, to work at through, through training um, is by far the place where I see the most collegiality and cooperation. Um, it's amazing to see in our obstetrics department, you know, I have no hesitation to call my obstetrician colleague and say, hey, this is something I don't know. What do you recommend? And it's never going to be something that, you know, I'm made to feel small about. It's a great learning opportunity. They're always there to back us up. And the same thing with, with our midwifery colleagues, like it's just, everyone gets along, which is nice to see. And it's a great, it was a great place to learn. So I chose to stay. I ended up uh, applying to the McMaster Rural Residency Program and um, got the Grimsby site. Uh, so did my resident residency up at a family health team in Smithville uh, with an amazing doc, uh, Dr. Matt Noble Volgamut, and um, loved that residency program where again I got to do a little bit of everything and. Um, chose to, to stay in the area when uh, when I graduated and a spot in the family health team came up. So, and now I've been here for, for six years now. So you mentioned you did the Rural Family Medicine Residency Program. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and, and what it includes? Yeah, um, so as part of the your Rural Family Medicine Program, um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the Rural Family Med Program as well, because it's kind of cool. It's a little bit different from um, kind of the more urban family medicine program. Uh, you, you work in a rural community or a community that has a rural style practice. And basically what that means is you're, you're doing a lot of stuff outside of the clinic. So for me, what that looks like in residency is, um, you know, I, we were, my clinic was kind of linked to West Lincoln Hospital in Grimsby. Um, the family physicians in pretty much all of the family physicians in this area, um, if a patient is admitted to the hospital, uh, they go through the eMERGE, they might see their own doctor in the eMERGE if their, their physician does eMERGE. And then they're admitted and the family physician will do the admission history and physical and follow them during that hospital admission. We can consult internal medicine or we can consult our surgical colleagues or anyone else if we need to, but you as a family physician are generally their MRP. Uh, the Rural Residency Program also really encourages you to do you know, things like house calls and palliative care and um, prenatal and obstetrical care. So uh, the preceptor I was working with didn't do obstetrics, he did eMERGE. Um, and uh, so I was paired up with a couple of his colleagues from the clinic who did do obstetrics. So I got to experience that. And, you know, if anything other than family medicine was to catch my interest, it would be obstetrics. Uh, because just that working one-on-one -on -one for so long for such an emotional experience and getting 
in the vast majority of outcomes, something like really miraculous and joyful uh, is, is amazing. So, you know, I loved being able to do that. I loved, you know, getting called out of clinic or getting called in the middle of the night to deliver a patient that you've been following for, you know, not just nine months, but for, for longer than that was pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, and our, our community, uh, our physicians uh, are really linked into palliative care as well. So we have a wonderful palliative care program that's actually um, a great clinical model that I think should be rolled out everywhere where the palliative care physician, like the leader of the palliative care team, works as almost a mentor to the family physician. So the family physician stays the most responsible physician for their patients who are palliative. And um, if something is outside of your wheelhouse or you need some recommendations, there's always someone to chat with and there's a great kind of community team. So, you know, there there have definitely been days in my career um, where, you know, I would deliver a baby and then I would do a palliative care home visit. Like... That was cool. And getting to experience that in residency, um, I loved it. Um, so going back to your question, I've kind of um, traveled all over the place here, but um, I chose to do um, a partial PGY3 uh, because one of my interests is women's health. So uh, you definitely get to experience a lot of that in, in residency. I wanted a little bit more specialized um, time that um, I couldn't quite fit in with elective time in residency. So I chose to do um, a rural self-designed PGY-3 uh, program. So I ended up doing an extra eight months of training. I did some extra labor and delivery. I did some women's mental health. I did some sexual health work and um, I did some extra learning in breastfeeding medicine. Um, so just to you know, kind of link in some of my interest in women's health. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool doing that self-design program. So, you know, the goal of the rural family medicine program is to graduate residents who can work in the eMERGE or deliver babies or any of these things without needing any extra training. But it does have um, the opportunity to do that extra training um, to meet the needs of your community. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and I really enjoyed that that extra training time as well. So, and then from, you know, in our community too, I didn't mention we have um, family medicine anesthetist too. So that would be actually a separate training program. You can do a PGY3 in uh, family medicine anesthesia. Well, thank you. Um, is there anything you wish you had known before making your decision, um, whether that's, you know, to go into family medicine or rural family medicine? Um, and, and any advice you would have for decisions or for students making the decision of which specialty to, to pick? Yeah, I don't think there's anything I wished I would have known that would have changed any sort of outcomes. Um, there's definitely been some great advice that um, was given to me and kind of reflections I've had over my, my few years in practice. Um, one, I think, especially when you're new to practice in any specialty, it's going to be hard. And there are going to be days where you're kind of doubting your decision and doubting your capabilities. And, you know, I definitely have days where I think, oh, my gosh, my patient would probably be better served by any physician other than me. And, um, you know, number one, uh, you're more competent probably than you think you are for most of us. Um, number two 
it's always okay to ask. It's always okay to phone a friend or, um, you know, in the case of hospital medicine, to walk down the hall to the eMERGE and say, hey, I've got this really challenging patient situation. Can I tell you about it and get some advice? And, you know, especially if people know you're early in practice there, they remember what that feels like. And they're so happy to help out for the vast majority of people. So I think, you know, don't fake it till you make it, like ask and learn instead. And the other really great piece of advice is to give it time. Um, when you first start, um, it often feels overwhelming and you're often thinking this is a lot harder than I expected it to be. Um, and then just giving yourself the time for yourself to grow into the role. Like I had somebody tell me, you know, reflect every six months and, you know, what was really hard is maybe a little bit less hard. It's never going to be completely easy, but um, I definitely found that to be true. Like how stressed and overwhelmed I was for the few, first few months in practice. When I looked back, when I was six months in practice, it was easier. And then one year, two years into practice, it gets easier. Um, and you, you know, when you're spending, you know, 15 minutes, you know, reading what to do when you get a potassium level come, coming back abnormal and you don't have an attending to ask because you're the attending now, like when you're spending that time at the beginning, it gets better. And now you don't even like think about it. You know what to do. So give it time and be kind to yourself during that time. That is excellent advice that I hope everybody gets the opportunity to hear. And that's, and that's advice that works for any specialty. Like any time you go out on your own, it's going to be hard, but it gets the better. When you were in medical school, were there any other specialties that you were considering or were you kind of, you, you knew it was family all the way, right from the get-go? I, for the most part, I knew it was family all the way. Like I knew when I went into med school that I wanted to be a family doctor. Um, I think, you know, my experiences in med school kind of helped to broaden um, my, you know, my possibilities to include more than just in office medicine, which is kind of my vision of family medicine when I first started medical school. Um, I was one of those people that, you know, for most rotations, I was like, this is really cool. I really like this. And, um, but nothing ever really made me like it enough to just do that. So, you know, there wasn't really anything where I'm like, this is terrible and I don't want to do it. Um, but yeah, but definitely family medicine was, was the thing for me. I'm realizing that we chatted before I hit the record button about your plus one or, or the third year of the rural family medicine. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I do want to circle back and kind of get a, a sure. bit of a comment on that. Yeah. Um, so as part of the your rural family medicine program, um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the rural family med program as well, because it's kind of cool. It's a little bit different from um, kind of the more urban family medicine program. Uh, you, you work in a rural community or a community that has a rural style practice. And basically what that means is you're, you're doing a lot of stuff outside of the clinic. So for me, what that looked like in residency is, um, you know, I, we were, my clinic was kind of linked to West Lincoln Hospital in Grimsby. Um, the family physicians in 
pretty much all of the family physicians in this area, um, if a patient is admitted to the hospital, uh, they go through the eMERGE, they might see their own doctor in the eMERGE if their, their physician does eMERGE. And then they're admitted and the family physician will do the admission history and physical and follow them during that hospital admission. We can consult internal medicine or we can consult our surgical colleagues or anyone else if we need to, but you as a family physician are generally their MRP. Uh, the Rural Residency Program also really encourages you to do, you know, things like house calls and palliative care and um, prenatal and obstetrical care. So uh, the preceptor I was working with didn't do obstetrics, he did eMERGE. Um, and uh, so I was paired up with a couple of his colleagues from the clinic who did do obstetrics. So I got to experience that. And, you know, if anything other than family medicine was to catch my interest, it would be obstetrics. Uh, because just that working one-on-one -on -one for so long for such an emotional experience and getting in the vast majority of outcomes, something like really miraculous and joyful uh, is, is amazing. So, you know, I loved being able to do that. I loved, you know, getting called at a clinic or getting called in the middle of the night to deliver a patient that you've been following for, you know, not just nine months, but for, for longer than that it was pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, and our, our, community, uh, our physicians uh, are really linked into palliative care as well. So we have a wonderful palliative care program that's actually um, a great clinical model that I think should be rolled out everywhere where the palliative care physician, like the leader of the palliative care team, works as almost a mentor to the family physician. So the family physician stays the most responsible physician for their patients who are palliative. And um, if something is outside of your wheelhouse or you need some recommendations, there's always someone to chat with and there's a great kind of community team. So, you know, there, there have definitely been days in my career um, where, you know, I would deliver a baby and then I would do a palliative care home visit. Like that was cool. And getting to experience that in residency, um, I loved it. Um, so going back to your question, I've kind of um, traveled all over the place here, but um, I chose to do um, a partial PGY3 uh, because one of my interests is women's health. So uh, you definitely get to experience a lot of that in, in residency. I wanted a little bit more specialized um, time that um, I couldn't quite fit in with elective time in residency. So I chose to do um, a rural self-designed PGY-3 uh, program. So I ended up doing an extra eight months of training. I did some extra labor and delivery. I did some women's mental health. I did some sexual health work and um, I did did some extra learning in breastfeeding medicine. Um, so just to, you know, kind of link in some of my interest in women's health and, you know, it's, it's pretty cool doing that self-design program. So, you know, the goal of the rural family medicine program is to graduate residents who can work in the eMERGE or deliver babies or any of these things without needing any extra training, but it does have um, the opportunity to do that extra training um, to meet the needs of your community. So, I thought that was pretty cool, uh, and I really enjoyed that that extra training time as well. So, and then from, you know, in our community too, I didn't mention we have um, family medicine anesthetist too. So that would be actually a separate training program. You can do a PGY three in uh, family medicine anesthesia.
So now we're going to kind of move on to the last section of, you know, those those nitty nitty gritties um, about what what um, work looks like on a day to day basis. Um, and you have kind of alluded to a number of the things that you do, um, but just to kind of prompt you. Uh, some people say that there is no such thing as a typical day or week in medicine, which I'm sure holds especially true in family. But what does typical look like in your job? Um, so a typical week for me. Um, so I work at a family health team. Um, all of the doctors at my team uh, work in the hospital as well. So we're not in the clinic kind of nine to five, Monday to Friday. Um Typically, uh, I would start each weekday by going to round uh, on any inpatients at West Lincoln. If I do have any inpatients, I would go around on them. So kind of I wake up in the morning and I check Clinical Connect and say, oh, do I have any new admissions? Um, and if I do, it's an earlier morning, but uh, otherwise I might get to go back to sleep for a little bit. Um, Mondays, I start later. I work um, Monday evening, so I typically have an afternoon and evening clinic. Um, Mondays are usually my call day as well, where I'm on call for my group for family medicine and obstetrics. So any kind of um, triage assessments or people going into labor, I would get called into the office for that. doesn't happen too often. Our volumes are fairly low, like our group of four probably does maybe 50 deliveries a year. Um, and uh, yeah, so Mondays are typically a longer day, but also can be an exciting day. Um, and then Tuesdays, I'm kind of, yeah, I would start by uh, rounding at the hospital. Um, initially in my career, I was um, through the MAC program, I was a pro comp facilitator. So Tuesday mornings were pro comp for me, which was great. And I, I actually really miss that. Um, and then Tuesday afternoon is my overflow day at the clinic. So I'm the doc who takes care of all of the urgent issues and a lot of the same day fit-ins if, um, if one of the docs is not in the clinic that day. Um, so that's kind of cool. Like Tuesdays is usually a really fast-paced day. I get to see lots of different things and a lot of kind of your coughs and colds and urgent care things, but also, you know, sometimes some of the things that really make you put on your thinking cap, like the 80-year-old who's all of a sudden a lot more dizzy. So um, yeah, Tuesdays, you never know what you're going to get. It's usually a very busy day and you get a like a, more than 100 messages through your medical record as well. Um, Wednesday is usually my take a breath day. For some reason, I get to see all of my chronic conditions and a lot of prenatals on Wednesday and get caught up on paperwork and forms. Um, Thursdays are my days that I don't usually work in the clinic. So I may schedule some house calls. I may work in the hospital. I may do some kind of education or um, administrative work. Uh, and I might get to go for like a bike ride or a yoga session. Uh, and then Fridays, um, Fridays again, it's, you know, mostly in the clinic, but again, yeah, rounding at the hospital, if I have anything, we usually, um, through the, um, through the kind of school year, we, I'm part of a family medicine continuing medical education group. So we do problem-based small group learning uh, every other Friday morning. Um, so we meet at the hospital before we do rounds. It's, stupid early um maybe not stupid early if you're into surgical stuff but stupid early as a family doctor um <laughs> and we go through uh modules and make sure we're up to date uh one in four weekends i'm on call for my group uh so um 
every other one of my call weekends, I'm going to be rounding on all of our group inpatients. Um, and otherwise, I'm on call for obstetrics for our group. Um, for, in general, for the obstetrics, we do kind of a mix of hard and soft calls. So if it's my own patients, um, I'm going to try and deliver them no matter whether I'm on call or not. But we can always sign out to the person who's on hard call. Yeah, so that's a typical week. And then COVID's kind of thrown a wrench into things. So um, we've kind of changed up how we round at the hospital. Now we're doing a week at a time rather than everybody individually seeing their own patients. Uh, and I'm typically doing one or two days uh, working from home where I'm doing phone visits with people and one or two days where I'm in clinic, um, either seeing people for their illness clinic, um, so the query COVIDs and query any other illness. Uh, and then I have a day where I see my well babies that need their immunizations and my prenatals that need to be seen and, you know, other sorts of, um, are we losing control of this chronic health condition? I get to see them on Wednesdays now. So you've kind of alluded to some of the things that fill your bucket, but what is an aspect of your job that makes you excited to go to work most days? Um, number one is the variety. And number two is like, um, I want to say the really happy stuff, but also just the really emotional stuff fills my bucket. Like I don't mind and I don't shy away from the hard stuff either. Like I find a really good palliative care discussion um, is something that definitely fills my bucket. Like when I, I leave a visit like that and I feel like I've helped ease a burden for someone and I've really helped, um, not just kind of their their medical health, but their their emotional and their you know psychological health. Um, that fills my bucket. That and deliveries. Like I love. <laughs> like it, I still you know I've been you know from when I f did my first delivery and my OBS going clerkship rotation. I still tear up pretty much at every delivery, and it's just like it's it never fails to be amazing. Yeah, so those are bucket fillers for me, for sure. And also just seeing how lovely patients are and over time, they really get to care about you. Like I have one patient who has knitted socks for everyone in my family and who never fails to bring me like delicious baked goods. Um, and like they check in on you, like especially now during COVID, like how many calls start with, Doctor, before we get to meet, how are you doing? I hope you're doing okay. I hope your family is okay, which is really, really lovely. And then there was like the patient who ran into me at the grocery store in the winter and said, you know, I know you're my doctor and I'm not your mother, but I really think you should be wearing a coat. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was amazing. It was so good. So good. Yeah, so I mean, there's tons of things in this job that fill my bucket. There's, you know, there's the opposite too. There are like things that are really stressful and really kind of tedious. Um, the paperwork is never ending. Um, but for the most part, you know, even the weeks that are crazy busy, like some weeks, if I don't have any inpatients and I don't have any deliveries and, you know, my housebound patients are stable, I might have a very light week and I can get out with, you know, your normal 35, 40 hour work week and some some weeks are easily double that um yeah and it's just kind of luck of the draw you can't ever really predict these things either 
Was there a moment at some point in your career so far where you thought, aha, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Or has it been more of a general sense of satisfaction over time? Um, There are definitely moments. And I feel like I'm probably not going to be able to come up with a great example right now. But I think it's kind of a mix of the two. I think it's that general feeling of satisfaction. And every once in a while, that coalesces into a moment where you're like, yes, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I've, yeah, I don't think I have never regretted going into family medicine is another way of maybe saying that. Yeah. I've also, I haven't mentioned, um, I really, really love teaching too. And over, you know, even from before I finished my PGY3 residency, um, I kind of got called into teaching and, you know, really from day one of med school to PGY2 residence, I've had the opportunity to kind of teach at every level and kind of every part of the med school curriculum uh, at Mac as well. And that's something that gives me quite a good sense of well-being as well. Um, it sometimes is a lot of work and, you know, finding an extra six or eight hours a week is sometimes a challenge, but it's something that's always been, you know, something I love to do and something really rewarding for me. Well, as learners, we're we're appreciative of that. So, um, As we all know, clinical exposure is unfortunately quite limited due to our global pandemic, but what are some things um, about your specialty or, or job specifically that we wouldn't see on paper if we were just trying to research what a career in family medicine could look like? I, I think, you know, this is something that you hear about with family medicine. You always hear about, you get that longitudinal relationship with your patients. I think that doesn't really come across as well on patient or on paper as what it is, what it truly is. Like it starts off as, you know, when you're first starting your practice, you, every patient you see is new. It's like when you're a med student or a resident, like you have to go through that full history and physical and leave no stone unturned. But as that relationship develops, it's not just, um, you know, their medical history, but they become more comfortable with you. Um, Like, I think there's a lot of kind of intangible benefits to that, that longitudinal relationship. So, you know, I think that's one thing that maybe doesn't come across. And I think the other thing is just kind of challenging those misconceptions about family medicine, how it's like, mundane or repetitive, like, you know, perhaps it could be like, depending on where you're practicing and your style of practice, like, you know, maybe you are doing your Monday to Friday, nine to five plus three hours every other week as required by the government to fulfill your duty to your patients providing after hours care, but it definitely doesn't have to be like that. Um, I think a lot of people are surprised at what family medicine can be. Like if you are interested mainly in dermatology, you can do extra training in dermatology and have a focus practice there. You can have a focus practice on, you know, mental health and counseling and, you know, really any sort of special interest, um, you can explore in in family medicine. Like, you know, for me, I'm able to kind of grow my interest in, you know, perinatal care and supporting women through pregnancy and their mental health changes uh, related to hormone changes and, you know, support somebody with breastfeeding more than just saying call the lactation consultant. So, you know, that's, you know, that, that I think, 
you know, people have this idea that family medicine, you're doing coughs and colds all day and you're referring people for anything outside of that. It, it definitely does not have to be that way. And I think if family medicine is done well, it should never be that way. Switching gears a little bit, we both know you through your affiliation with McMaster. So can you tell us a bit about what the affiliation looks like for you and what your role is there? Sure. So um, I'm probably going to get the exact title wrong, but I'm an assistant professor with McMaster. So um, that allows me to uh, take learners and, you know, be sure that I'm meeting the educational requirements of the clerkship or residency curriculum. Um I, yeah, I am the regional education lead for uh, the Niagara Regional Campus. So that's a role I took on uh, a little less than a year ago. And it allows me to kind of um, help family medicine um, in the campus. Um, I can liaise with all of our family medicine preceptors. I can help support preceptors if they're having any challenges. I can help support students if there's any issues with family medicine. Uh, and I can kind of hopefully bring in more great preceptors um, to our campus as well. Um, it gives me a little bit of a say in how our curriculum is delivered for, for family medicine as well as in Niagara. Um, yeah, and then just the opportunity to teach, like teaching the medical foundations and pre-clerkship, teaching clerks, teaching, you know, your first family medicine experience. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my affiliation. Um, yeah, I, I've, you know, being part of the first class, I've always felt a very close connection to the Niagara Regional Campus. Um, we have a fantastic group of um, administrators and physicians who are part of the campus and, it's, you know, because of them that I'm still here and doing that role. Like Amanda Bell is one of my greatest mentors. I think my practice would look very, very different if I didn't luckily stumble into her mentorship. Um, yeah, so I, I don't see a time in my future where I'm not going to keep that Niagara campus affiliation. Uh, but again, it's something that, you know, has been evolving over time. But yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice that you would say to a student considering a career like yours? Um, find a mentor, experience different types of clinics and practices. Um, the type of family medicine that works for me is not necessarily going to be the type of family medicine that works for somebody else. Um, and there's so many different ways to do family medicine that I think it's worth exploring. And I think, you know, even if you're hardcore set on a specialty um, outside of family medicine, I think it's still worth exploring family medicine to see, you know, okay, well, how, how else can this be done? And, um, you know, how are things going to show up when they first show up, like early presentations? And, and also, if you don't choose family medicine, be kind to us. I know, you know, the vast majority are. We are, you know, we are really, really, truly advocates for our patients. We hear about such a narrow version of each specialty within med school because we have such limited time to be exposed to it that it's easiest to talk about the obvious. Um, and I love hearing about you know, what it is that it looks like for you and all of the different variations that you even just you know threw off the cuff that you know about that I had never heard of. Um, 
Um, so thank you so much. This was this was wonderful. No problem. This was perfect. We are both medical students at McMaster's Michael G. DeGroote School of Medicine, but this podcast is in no way affiliated with the school or program, and all views expressed are ours alone. Included music is The Strip by Mila from the Free Music Archive, utilized under the Creative Commons share-like license. Thank you.